There will be a day. Amen, praise team, those my kids. (laughs) Um, God is good, right? I could just keep singing for a while, praising God this morning. Um, I I realized this week, actually, I was um, looking at the calendar, and I was like, oh man, the, the busyness of school is about to be upon us just in a few short weeks. And, and I know um, that all of our campuses will be buzz, buzzing with excitement coming up here. My, my daughter is going to be joining one of those groups. She's starting kindergarten this year. So um, send the tissues, please. And they're for me. <laughs> She's going to walk right in there and ready to go. But I am, I'm really grateful to be a part of our Andrews University community. I'm I'm grateful to be a part of our Pioneer Memorial Church family community. And that's exactly what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about community. So, um, and how community strengthens our mental health. So I'm going to have a word of prayer, one more prayer, um, as we begin. Father in heaven, thank you for this time. God, we can't wait until we are standing right there on the resurrection morning. We look forward to that day, every day, God. But now, Father, as we talk this morning, I just pray you would be the one lifted up in this conversation, that you continue to be present here. Thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. So my first question this morning is, what number do we call when there is an emergency? 911, good job, you're awake, I'm glad. 911. So, anytime there is always someone there to answer if we call 911 for help, right? Now, a new nationwide number has been instituted. Have you heard about this? Yes, amen, there we go. It's 988. So you can now call, and I hear text as well, 988, anytime, 24-7, for any mental health crisis. That's, that's amazing. You'll receive help. This is a huge, great resource. There's trained professionals on the other end of the line, just like 911, to help in a mental health crisis. Now, um, when I was thinking about this, this just happened last week, July uh, 16th, last week, last Sabbath. This has been one week in, in, um, it has, since they released it. But um, I was thinking about this, and we've reached a place in our nation where mental health emergencies are presumably equally as prevalent as physical emergencies. So mental health is a big deal. Right? It's a big deal. And, and I just want to talk a little bit today what the Bible has to do on how community can strengthen mental health among us. So first, when I started looking at this, I looked at risks of isolation. Now, I think um, we all understand isolation a little bit more clearly, having just the backdrop of COVID, right, coming from that. And um, we all had to deal with these firsthand experiences of some level of isolation, whether it was sitting distant at church or just not seeing someone's face for long periods of time, right? We dealt with isolation. Some were just lonely and in their houses and in their rooms for long periods of time with no contact. 
And, and some of the risks of isolation, there's physical risks. Some of them include high blood pressure, heart disease, weakened immune system, strokes, and, and the list actually continues. And then there's some mental health risks, loneliness, anxiety, depression, cognitive decline, negative thoughts, suicidal thoughts. And this past few weeks, we touched on a few of those, um, those issues. And these are not small things that we're dealing with as a nation, it sounds like, and as a community potentially, right? These are big things. And the likelihood of these things goes up when we are in isolation. So being a part of a community is not just a suggestion, Community matters. And you are part of this community. Now, when God created us, he created us to be with people, right? The first book of the Bible, Genesis, talks about when God created Adam and Eve. And he created Adam and he says, it is not good for man to be alone. Then he created Eve. I'm going to make someone just for him. And we have the first two people. We need community. Some benefits of being part of a community. There is a sense of belonging. We like to belong. I was just in youth Sabbath school this morning, and um, it was, uh, people were trickling, but there's hardly anyone in there at first. And, and teenagers tend to stand by the door and look in until someone is in there, right? And so um, they need a sense of belonging, a sense of community to enter a place, right? And um, social connection is the second thing. The first thing, sense of belonging. The second thing, social connection or interaction. And the third thing is purpose. Community gives us purpose. And Christian community, we should be the best, the most authentic, loving, like safe place where someone can be. That's, that's what we're called to do. And, and as God followers, we can bring people to, the, to our God of peace, our God of hope, and our God of assurance. God who calms huge storms like the one we had last night. And, and in the Bible, there are quite a few snapshots of community. And I, I've been studying for the last little bit, getting ready for this sermon, and there's one story that really, really stood out to me these past few months, and it's in Luke chapter 5. You know it well. It's a very well-known story. But as I was reading through multiple ones, this is the one that really hit me and stood out. And, and I, man, I love the Bible. <laughs> so Luke chapter 5, verse 17 is where we're starting this morning. You can turn on your tablets Bibles or phones there, Luke 5, 17. So I want us to take a look at this story through the lens of community today. And um, just some background as we begin, because we're jumping into Luke a few chapters in. Jesus has started his public ministry already, okay? He's, he's started, starting to get known as a teacher, as a healer, as the Messiah, potentially. I mean, rumors of him are traveling because he's done some healings, he's doing some teachings, okay? And we're going to start in verse 17. Here, here goes. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. Okay, I'm going to put the pause button just to give some context. We are in Capernaum. We're most likely in the home of Peter. All right, and, and Jesus is sitting there, sitting there with his disciples around him, and the crowds heard he's back, heard he's there, and they start to come in, and they start to fill the home. And on one side of the room, 
are these Pharisees and Sadducees, the teachers of the law. And these, these are the bigwigs in religious circles, right? These are the ones that know the Bible, they know the law, they have large portions memorized, and they, they know it inside and out. And these are important figures in the community. So you, and you would know them, right? And, and um, it's not just the religious leaders in your town. The Bible says the religious leaders came from other places as well where they had heard about Jesus's ministry. And, and they came to see what the stir is all about. They were not necessarily there to sit at Jesus' feet and learn from them, learn from him. But I think the reason they came was because they'd gotten some reports of healings, some, some stories about his teachings, and, and, and then he's speaking to these large crowds. And so what is happening? They came to check it out, to find fault with him. Okay, and I'm going to finish the verse. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Jesus is God's son. And when he came to earth, the Holy Spirit was very present in his life to carry out God's will. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit is very present in our lives to, to carry out God's will as well. So verse 18, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. So I'm going to stop again. Imagine the scene with me. This paralyzed man, he's had a hard life. There's, there's no doctors that can help or fix him. There's no job he can have. He has to literally rely on everyone for anything he needs. And the cultural understanding at that time is that he did something wrong in order to receive this physical impairment. That's what they said to him. So, so um, when I see this story set up, when I'm reading it and I imagine it, I imagine him in his home and, and his friends coming to stop by and they, they're coming to give him the news. They kind of fill him in with what's going on around. And, and they say, hey man, have you heard? The teacher, the teacher's back. You know, the one, the one that didn't go to rabbi school is that Nazarene who's a carpenter guy, right? And he's healing people and he's teaching again. And, and oh, did you know the leper? Just down the street, his fingers and his toes and his nose are completely healed. He's healed. Jesus healed him. And he's telling telling the man this, this story. And as the paralytic is hearing his friend talk about Jesus, um, he, I imagine he gets this glimmer of hope that he hasn't had for a really long time. Right, I, I, I see him as being potentially lonely and, and depressed and his outlook on life is rather dim. But he hears this, these stories of this man, Jesus, healing people. And, and this time he gets excited and he has some sort of hope again. And, and he asks his friend, can you take me? Can you take me to Jesus? I don't want to just sit here and hear the reports anymore. anymore. I want to go. So uh, there's a account in Mark as well, and it tells us that four of his friends, his community, they pick him up by the corners of his mat and they carry him all the way to the house. I imagine as a grown man, he was heavy, probably, and so they took breaks along the way as they're carrying him through town to get there, right? And they bring him to the house where Jesus is teaching. And when they get there, a lot of other people have the same idea. It was really crowded. 
His four friends, they try and try, the Bible says, but they just couldn't get close enough. People won't move. They're not giving up their spot to be near. And, and they can't get through the doors and they can't get up to the windows and they just can't pull him through this crowd. There's too many people. And, and at this point, the paralytic doesn't have much left to lose, right? So that picks up in verse 19. When they could not find a way to do this, they, his friends, do this, get into, to, close to Jesus, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Whew. So we're in the room, right? Imagine the dynamic shift from Jesus teaching about God when, when they hear some noise up on top and his friends are unashamedly tearing away at Peter's roof. And then dirt starts maybe falling down and people are looking up or covering their face. And is Jesus, does Jesus continue to teach or does he, does he wait and look? I don't know, but, but we're in there and, and soon the paralytic man is hanging down through the ceiling and there's no turning back now. Every eye is on him. And he lands right in front of Jesus. I, I imagine his anxiety is a little bit there, right? Um, but he has that glimmer of hope, too, that he feels. And when he sees Jesus' face, he feels peace. Because in the presence of Jesus, there is peace. In verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, he calls us friend, friend, your sins are forgiven. And, and when I read this story, I hear an audible gasp from the Pharisees sitting there, like, because the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were there to get him, right? Verse 21, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And, and you see them kind of like looking at each other like, that's, that's it. That, that's what they're talking about. And, but they're absolutely correct. God alone can forgive sins, but they're missing the whole point because they failed to recognize the man before them was God. Right? In verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? You want proof, Jesus says? But I, tell, uh, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He calls himself God there. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Amen. There was no hesitation. Everyone's silent in the room. His friends looking down from the hole in the ceiling. And verse 25 says, Immediately he, the paralyzed man, stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. Amen. Everyone. Verse 26, everyone. 
Not just some, all of them, the Pharisees and scribes included, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Community matters. Community mattered for the paralytic man and community matters for me and it matters for you. Now, I was... Um, I was sitting in church last week at the end of the second service with some, with some friends and a family walked by and someone in our group asked, how's your family? And she responded, do you want the real answer? Yes, authentic community wants the real answer. Listening to the real things that are going on in each other's lives, sharing what's really happening, the good times, the hard times, the confusing times, praying through it together at the foot of Jesus, that's community. Not being interdependent or codependent or independent, but learning to lean on each other and lean on God together in a healthy way. Now, I, I in my long life, <laughs> I believe that one of the biggest roadblocks to um, authentic Christian community that we put up in our church is pride. Now, sometimes we're too prideful to give a real answer when the question is asked, how are you? Right? Um, I mean, I, I've done it today. Someone said, how are you? I said, I'm good. <laughs> and, and we don't have time sometimes to get into really what's happening. And our answers are, I'm good, or I'm doing well. During COVID, I heard a lot of surviving. And we forget that it's okay to admit we're struggling. And to say, you want the real answer? No, I'm not okay. I'm, I'm struggling in my marriage. I've made some financial mistakes. I'm really lonely. I'm having a problem with one of my kids. I'm taking care of my aging parents, and that is hard. My boyfriend, he's cheating on me. My loved one is really sick. I just feel really far from God. I just need someone to grab the corner of my mat and do whatever it takes to bring me to the foot of Jesus. Community matters. And you and I are made to be in each other's life. So when there's a problem, we can say, hey, yes, let's help each other. Let's go kneel at the foot of Jesus together and get through this hard time. And when we're through, we can celebrate together. That's what church family is. That's what community is. And you are part of this community and you matter. Without you, things are not the same. You make a difference. The body does not function. The body of Christ does not function the same without each and every one of you. And I fear sometimes we may be missing out on some of the God's biggest blessings because we're not living like we should be in community. We are not being the authentic community that we're called to be. Because God is all about relationship, right? I mean, look at Sabbath. Yeah, it's, it's, it's this amazing blessing, this day of rest. But it's a day set aside so we can come close to God and close to each other doing that, right? Day of rest, relationship. And, and Jesus came to earth. He died on a cross to save us from our sin and it's our individual choice to choose him or not, right? Individually, we do that. 
God saves us individually, but he blesses us through community. And, and what does that look like? I'm glad you asked. Um, Romans 12, our scripture reading, and I'm going to start a little bit earlier um, than the verse we read. Romans 12, verse 3, we're going to start in. Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Love on the move. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. What does it look like? Romans 12 is a great example of some practical things that, like it looks, that it looks like. Community. And, and the paralytic's friends were really devoted to him in love to do that for him, right? At Pioneer Memorial Church, our community, you are awesome. And our, our community, we have some great ministries. We have amazing leaders when I look out here. And we have fellowship dinners and the social, social life committee and many more groups where we can connect. But my question for us is how can we make our ministries, our grow groups, our Sabbath schools safe places when people are struggling? Open places for dialogue. What's really going on in our hearts? How can we do better at community? Because community matters. And one way we're answering that question uh, with the youth is the conference has rolled out this, this new community training-ish, but they're saying, they're calling it My Tribe, and they're starting these groups where you are just joining, and it's, they say it's for life. You're joining as a young person, and you're getting to know how to build Christian community together. Wherever you're going in life, these are your connection points. It's an open circle where you can come and do that, and we're starting that here at Pioneer in the youth ministry. You can contact me if you're interested in more information, um, but the conference has, has been rolling those trainings out, and we're, we're joining in with them. But as I close, I just, uh, I want to share one story. Um, I, have, I have some friends, and they're in ministry, they're in the Seventh-day Adventist church, and they love God, and they, are, they started a, a small group, per se, of sorts. They started inviting their friends, they invited random people they met and knew to just come to their house. They have food, they have time to, to catch up, they have Bible stories, and they have prayer. 
And that's what they do. It's an open invitation. And um, they've been doing it for almost a year now, currently. They told me this story a few months ago. And they, they, so they opened their house. They met this woman. She does not go to church. She, she has um, some things in her life that she shared with them. And they were praying with her. And she became their friend. She comes every week and they hang out and they eat, right? So after a few months, when they be, after they became friends, she walks into the house one day and um, she doesn't look, she looks upset. And um, she walks in and she says, I need to talk to you. It's a husband-wife couple that do this. And she looked at the wife and said, I need to talk to you. And so they went to the back room and they sat down and out of her bag, she pulls out a gun, And she said, I'm not safe with this right now. She was wanting to kill herself, so she left the gun with her community. Now, I share this to tell you that I believe community matters. And 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 she got, just to finish up, she got help and they, they are still in contact with her and, and she's doing great. She got a lot of professional help she needed, but, but community matters. And if we can be a safe place for people to come and talk about hard things in their life, God is going to be praised. God, he wants us to draw near to his, the feet of Jesus because he is the answer, he is the hope, he is the life, and he is the peace that comes with that, right? And my question for us is, are we building that Christ-centered community here? And whatever we do, are we bringing people to the foot of Jesus? Because the world can seem hopeless. We can call 988 and that will help. And please do if you are in need of help. But we need to be bringing each other, with each other, to Jesus' feet to find ultimate healing. Now, as we sing our final hymn, um, I, I have just a simple request of you. Just reflect on how you can build community, you can be community in this this um, church community that we have um, yourself.